tonight on Rogue Padron. Ugh. Did you ever hear the trend? I'm so mad I have to say this. <laughs> tonight on Rogue Padron. Did you ever hear the tragedy of Zero the Hut? I thought not. It's not a story other podcasts would tell you. <laughs> Does anyone actually understand how hut reproduction works? Mm-hmm. Can any assassin in the galaxy match the power of a broken heart? <sighs> exactly. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do this one. Um, exactly how deep is Sice Noodle's fluid set? <laughs> oh, you did it! Danny. You did it! This is Rogue Leader. All wings report in. Rogue 6, standing by. Rogue 7, standing by. Rogue 3, standing by. Yeah, you guys gotta get weird with this one. So many balls. <laughs> <laughs> That was so Bodhi. <laughs> Excuse me, that's Brigadier General Melbar. <laughs> there's, there's two Darth Vaders. They, they kind of swap in and out as Natalie Portman and Anakin Skywalker. Pepperoncini! That's what she said. Oh no, okay. I hate myself a little bit. <laughs> but you did it. Did that, it. That feeling when it... you extremely know who exactly wrote. <laughs> Aren't you loving our rebooted format? <laughs> Wasn't this just a great idea to give other hosts control of the episodes from time uh, to time? No. Just the greatest idea. I'm so glad. Oh boy. I mean, I'm glad I didn't have to write an episode about Sierra <laughs> Well, I had a lot of fun, so. That's good. That's what matters. Right? Right. Hello, listeners. Welcome to Season 12, Mission 4, Episode 98 of Rogue Padron. Boy, Tonight, we're getting, getting up there. We are. It's getting up there again. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tonight will be a night full of horrors. Uh, so before we Excuse jump Excuse you. So before we jump into all of that, a quick reminder of your hosts. If Danny, Rogue Six, was a controversial episode of The Clone Wars, (laughs) (laughs) yes, he'd be the Zillow Beast episode because it was kind of weird, but if you didn't like it, you're probably a heartless bastard. (laughs) That's good. I'll, I'll accept that. Yeah. Also, very He's... strong tones of animal justice and environmentalism. Mm-hmm. Yep. I know. I've seen most of the Clone Wars. Heath, Rogue Three, would be the Mortis episodes. I because knew they it. Probably be all right, except for the obsessive nature people have about trying to tie them back into everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Like anything remotely that could be it pops up. It's Mortis. Yeah, it's Mortis. <laughs> I, I knew Heath would be Mortis. I don't know why, but I could feel it. But yeah, there's Zuvio's hat. Um, <laughs> there it is. It's this a crescent, triangle this shape. Crescent, this crescent roll. It's Zuvio's hat. 
episode. Seth Rogue Seven would be the D Squad episode. Yeah, uh, of course. D stands for droid. D stands for droid. Uh, <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> I truly do not love those episodes, but um, I, I love the droids. They're controversial. Hate- That's the point. It's, uh, because oh, it's been- all about brave astromechs, but haters don't give the same respect to BZ sacrifice as they do to fives. They do not. BZ sacrifice was important. Oh my god, I'm gonna do my next episode all about me, Bergaskin. Please, God, don't make us watch those episodes, Danny. I've watched them so much. Yeah, we gotta we gotta put a freeze on this for a bit. I think <laughs> one per season, one per season, Danny. Great, season thirteen starts next week <laughs> because they're all arbitrary and the points don't matter. And I'm Meg, rogue leader. And I'm the episode where 3PO goes to the spa because the way he drops his listen, because the way he drops his cloak and is super shiny and sexy makes people really uncomfortable. And I feel like that's my saucy photos on private Twitter, and they have the same effect. Oh my god, I forgot that episode existed. It's good. They're trying to get a fruit, and 3PO gets a full body makeover. Yeah. I actually really like that episode, mostly because it's about R2 and 3PO. Yeah, just having shenanigans. Go in the spa. <laughs> Getting and some fruit. Fun fact, that episode is actually the first of the three-episode arc that ends with the episode we watched for this episode. Wow, you really should have watched that episode instead of this one. <laughs> we should have watched any episode <laughs> instead of this one. That's not true. I would not. I, I would also not want to watch Bombad Jedi. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I okay. love the Clone Wars yeah. so much, but there are some episodes where I just never want to touch any of my life. <laughs> it just doesn't work. Sorry, I was <laughs> sorry, I was, I was putting the iTunes review in. <clears throat> I'm here. I because now apparently I'm in charge of like literally the rest of this episode. So speaking <laughs> speaking of what were we just talking about? Still still the worst. Speaking of still the worst. I have a question about the best trio. No, I have a question about Star Wars. Episode 9, untitled. <laughs> TBD. The Bombad Deadeye. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to see how many weeks I can make that joke and get that reaction. <laughs> oh, you will get that reaction every, every time, time, my friend. That took me a every hot time. second. We're two for two so far. That is my favorite kind of joke. It will always get me. <laughs> okay, good. Um, I guess there was a picture that came out. I don't really know. I wasn't paying much attention, but there are three people hugging each other, so that's cool. Yeah, hugging is great. Was it? Yeah. It was. So it was Daisy Ridley and John Boyega and and Oscar Isaac. That, as we all know, the trio, the main trio of the sequel trilogy. And uh, it was John Boyega tweeted it. I think right. J.J. Um, Abrams. J.J. did. And then I think John Boyega tweeted it later. Okay, J.J. Yeah. Abrams tweeted it and basically said, I'm crying because the fact that I was able to direct these three characters into a loving polyamorous family was <laughs> was really amazing and incredible and, and groundbreaking for cinema. Right? Was that what the tweet said? Yes. Like yeah. yeah. And then there's yeah. a follow-up tweet explaining that Kelly Marie Tran is the one taking the photo. Ah, um, yeah. And it's actually a quad. And so, but she is the one to preserve all the memories. Yeah, because she's the responsible one. She is the responsible one. And the sentimental one. Come on. Yeah. So how are we feeling about this photo? 
I thought I was out, and that dragged me right back in. Every time, yep. Star Wars just knows exactly how to get me and be like, yeah, are you excited for this thing? And I'm like, I am now, thanks. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> seeing those three hug like that made me very emotional because yeah. I love them. There was something about that photo that, like, triggered all of my Star Wars feelings, especially about them. Mm-hmm. Um, you wrote because, a fic, like, didn't I, you? I did write a fic. Happy about Valentine's the photo. Day. Right, yeah. Um, we can put that in the show notes. In yeah, the, we yeah, will. yeah. We haven't had any listener fix in a while, so I guess that will have to do. <laughs> we'll have to have a host <clears> fix. Excuse me. Um, um, because like I remember when the TFA trailer came out at Star Wars Celebration, and it was the panel beforehand, and like all that happened was just photos, just photos of Poe, Finn, and Ray came up on the screen, and I immediately just started sobbing and just because they already meant so much to me and i Mm -hmm. don't know why i I think it's just being a woman and brown and you could already tell like how much affection they had from for each other with a little bit that we had already seen and it just brought all of those feelings back of what i love about them and like made me so excited that when like we watched tfa later that night that was the most times I've cried in that movie since I originally saw it in theaters and the things were making me cry that hadn't made me cry since then. And I was just, what is this? Why do I have these star Wars feelings? (laughs) (laughs) So it's, it was really nice. I think to have that connection to it again, because like we've been so caught up in the grossness that was the TLJ aftermath. And then all of the hype and ups and downs of, oh, are we going to get a title? Oh, are we going to get some news? And, like, all of that junk. That Just to have something that's beautiful and, like, this was... I Like, I don't care about the title. I'm so glad we got this photo. Yeah, like, it's... Yeah, totally. it's the characters are the thing that have held through this trilogy. Like, people care about these characters so much. And I feel like showing the three of them... In, like the last day of filming or something. Like, I don't know if it was last day of filming, but he tweeted it on the last day of filming. I think um, this got me really emotional because I love them all so much, and it just kind of hit me that this is going to be the end of their journey for a while. Yeah. Do we think that there is anything we can infer about the film itself from the photo? Do we even want to go down that road, or do we they just go back enjoy... to Jakku? Is that is that what we're thinking? I mean, it looks like they're on a desert. It does look like they're on it. I desert. think that they would go back. Like, I know I've seen some people being, well, some people, I, I wrote a poem on Twitter <laughs> that was, roses are red, violets are blue. I can't believe they made Finn go back to Jakku. <laughs> and I had, like, three bros slide in and be like, oh, it could be Tatooine. Oh, oh, <laughs> okay. Like, no shit. Like, <laughs> I'm no expert. It looks I'm like the on Jakku landscape. Yeah, it looks like, it looks like Jakku's because, landscape like, and it's sand. Jakku was more like dunes and then Tatooine is like has like caverns and is more rocky like the topography is different not yeah, to say and it was quite like boat. it's quite flat as well yeah but it seems more like Jakku and if we're gonna do the whole Star Wars it rhymes poetry garbage they started their adventure on Jakku so it makes more sense for them to have a scene there rather than be like over on Tatooine for some reason yeah it doesn't make any sense for them to be in Tatooine I think it's Jakku it could be like a new planet as well uh, but Jedi Academy at the Lars homestead no it's burned it's destroyed (laughs) I want it 
Why? Why a dead weight? There's nothing there. Those poor exactly. freaks. Exactly. No distractions. No, no. emotions. Yeah, they'll run off to be pilots and go destroy some Death Stars instead. I mean, that worked out well. Did it? Yeah, <laughs> look at look at so. the lovely life that Luke lit. Uh, mm. 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 Anyway, we're excited for episode <laughs> nine. <laughs> we are. We're excited to see the the buns come back. Yep, and and I think that this is the beginning of we'll be seeing a lot more of the actors in our lives as they're promoting the film and you know celebration mm-hmm. of course yeah. and and that yeah. honestly that's half of the joy of these films for me is just these actors and, and the joy that they bring to it yes all right well if we don't have anything more i'll say about that then it's time for our main <laughs> topic yep speak now or forever hold your peas all right i'm out for the rest of the episode <laughs> You have to participate. Fine. All right, tonight... I did watch the thing. <laughs> Danny is Rogue Leader, and we are going to discuss the tragedy of Zero the Hut. <laughs> so, Zero the Hut, as you know, is my favorite Star Wars character of all time. Uh-huh. And, and I think that you can all understand why. He's just so like, <laughs> likable and lovable, and you just want to give him a hug. Her dot gip. <laughs> <laughs> It works because zero's zero's gender and sexuality is very yeah. ambiguous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll get to that. But first, we should acknowledge that Zero the Hut is a character animated character from the Clone Wars series, voiced by Corey Burton, who is a person who is best known for uh, their work voicing Zero the Hut in the Clone Wars. <laughs> I assume I did not look you them up. Look up their IMDb. <laughs> Danny, this could... hang on. You keep talking. I'll look up who Corey Burton is. <laughs> <laughs> you so, know zero the hut <laughs> um maybe the reason i like zero so much is because he's purple yeah i do like purple um Zero's the only hut to speak basic and this wasn't originally the concept but uh they were gonna give him like a translator box so that we could understand him but then the producers of the clone wars were like well that would confuse kids so they just made him speak basic all right not much faith in children yep <laughs> <laughs> Um, also, George Lucas, who was apparently involved with the Clone Wars, uh, wanted him to sound like Truman Capote. I don't know. Is that what you're going for? <laughs> I don't... Oh my god. <laughs> that... <laughs> what? <laughs> no. Did, did you get Truman Capote vibes when you were watching Zero the Hut? <laughs> Wait, who is Truman Capote? Uh, he's that actor. <laughs> no. No, is he's he like the a, author. a famous mobster? Yes. I, I don't actually yeah. know who this is. Capote. He's a mobster. Yeah, he was the he was a novelist. There was a a biopic about him, which is why I said actor. Did he have like uh, a distinctive way of talking though? Maybe the person who really showed us should have researched that. Okay. <laughs> yes, yeah. Danny, Weird. you know we ask questions. You should be prepared. So, <laughs> so after Zero was okay. First of all, the Clone Wars movie. This was a thing. Did. Were any of us aware, like, did anyone go see this in theaters or have any experiences with this besides, like, watching it on Netflix years later? Absolutely not. I watched it after, when I first watched the Clone Wars all the way through, I didn't realize it was a movie. And so I watched the movie after I'd watched all of the Clone Wars um, at the end of season four, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did see it earlier than it was on Netflix. 
Um, the mistake I made was watching it after watching The Clone Wars instead of beforehand, because it really regresses from the progress that show makes. Yeah, it does. Yeah, so the movie, Zero plays a large role in the movie. Um, and and I guess, like, if I was a Star Wars fan going to watch the Clone Wars movie, I would have just been like, where did this guy come from? Like, who who the heck? <laughs> <laughs> but also, Jabba the Hutt has a baby hut in the movie, too. So there's a lot. Of, and, and Anakin suddenly has an apprentice. So I guess there were probably a lot of WTF moments that came out of that film. Anyways, one of the questions Dave Filoni got the most after that film was, what's up with Zero's sexuality? Because apparently that's what people were curious about. And his answer is that it's ambiguous. But he is for sure biologically asexual, but he has a masculine gender identity. So Wait, wait. I don't understand. Wait, 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 What's going on here? Those those were questions that people had? (laughs) Apparently because this was addressed in an interview shortly after The Clone Wars by Dave Filoni. Is this because... He has kind of an eccentric way of talking in his purple hut. People are like, is he gay? I think that is what the summation of it is, yes. I hate people. Why are they like this? Also, like, his gender identity isn't his sexuality. So we still don't actually, like, know also that. <laughs> anything about this. Like, just apparently he likes women of other species, I guess. I guess. Well, at least I'm one, really... for sure. Yeah. Mm, that's, that's more than I need to know. Thanks, Dave Filoni. Um, and, Dave, I'm disappointed. And we do know that huts, well, in legends, huts were hermaphrodites biologically, and they like pr- reproduced asexually. So I guess yeah, that that's weird. I guess Dave was like bringing that over with Zero. Um, but Zero also has two parents, so who <laughs> <laughs> even knows? Continuity. Basically, the story group needs to spend some time really thinking hard about like hut biological sexuality they need they need to hire you (laughs) i don't know if i could untangle the mess they've created quite frankly (laughs) yeah it's a bit too late now all right all right all right (laughs) Uh, in in more star warsy news uh zero the all star wars characters have hundreds of toys except for poor zero the hut this is where the tragedy really begins there's only two and one of them <laughs> is this this fighter pod, which, what's a fighter pod? I don't even know, but there's the Zero the Hut fighter pod. Um, but it looks like they just melted a candle and painted it. <laughs> it does. Poor Zero. It really does. But then the I other one... I don't like that at all. Which, I'm really intrigued by this other one. It's called a Marbs. Apparently, there was a... Star Wars marbles were a thing for a while. And this was a marble oh that had God. Zero the Hut on it, and they were called Star Wars Marbs. What? <laughs> marbles were a thing for a while when I was younger. I do remember that. Would you, like, go out and look for specific marbles and, like, trade them with people? I mean, I wouldn't, but I managed to trade some, like, marbles I had for a bunch of Pokemon toys I wanted once. So that was good enough for me. I mean, the thing about the Zero Marbs that our listeners can't tell because we're looking at a picture here, but it comes with a display stand. Like, yeah, you stick the marble the, on a display a stand. marble display stand. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> so, like, this was a thing for a while, I guess. So, anyways, poor Zero only ever showed up in uh, two forms as a toy. And that really is a tragedy, because Zero spent his entire life being manipulated into a life that he probably didn't want. And he was trying really hard to just live his best life. And, and factors outside of his control just continued to affect that. So, uh-oh. Oh, 
Is that a custom? <gasps> that's a custom Zero of the Hut. You know how I can tell? Oh because that's God. just Job of the Hut painted purple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But very intricately. It's yeah, so I have that Jabba. <laughs> so good. So a lot of people have painted their Job of the Hut's purple with like respect. <laughs> but also Zero's body type is very different from Jabba's. Very to acknowledge that. Yeah, <laughs> you can very... tell immediately that. For it's one, he's Jabba animated. <laughs> So anyways, because Zero is constantly being forgotten and overlooked, and, and because he had such a tragic life, I just wanted us to spend this episode really kind of honoring his legacy and, and reliving the highlights of, of the life that he lived. And so I'm, I'm really appreciative that you're all choosing to well, come I, on this journey with me. Choosing? <laughs> honoring Zero's legacy is for sure what I'm going to do tonight. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely my plan here. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> that was it. That's the tweet. That's it. <laughs> All right. Zero the Hut born. Zero Dazilijic Tiuri. Um, I'm so happy that's not me doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dazilijic is actually the Jabba the Hut family name because Jabba has that in his name too. Um, oh. Zero was born to his mother, aptly named Mama the Hut. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> oh, she was born to be a mother. Zero <laughs> Zero's father, aptly named Papa the Hut. <laughs> it is not. And we meet we're gonna meet both of them later on. Um and we know of one brother, Ebor the Hut, because he's actually mentioned by Mama in that episode that we watched. Um and then we also know that Jabba is his nephew. So uh Presumably, Zero had another sibling that is one of Jabba's parents, and so uh, Jabba would technically refer to Zero as Uncle Zero. So weird. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> I hate that any of this is canon. <laughs> he, all of it is canon. <laughs> Zero was born to Mama and Papa on. <laughs> On Slayheron, which is a planet in the Hut region of space, because apparently they have a whole region of space. Um, and he began his career as a lone shark, which we can all agree is the least awesome kind of shark. Um, he probably became a lone shark because it was the family business, and and Zero had other dreams that that he would get to realize later. But but he was kind of forced into this life. Because he was born on this hut planet into this famous hut family, and uh, he was forced to, to live this life as a lone shark, which is really just kind of tragic in and of itself. I think we can all agree. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you, Saf. You're welcome. <laughs> For that enthusiastic agreement. <laughs> So Zero's purple, and he's got all these tattoos, and they are adaptation of the tattoos, headdresses, and jewels of the wealthy Slay Heyroni huts. So again, I think we can probably infer that he was forced to get these tattoos as part of the culture he was born into, and it was it was uh, just trying to live up to the family name that Mama and Papa forced upon him, even though they would always prefer his brother, Ebor. Wow. At, at one point during his loan sharking, he would become the, the Vigo, which is apparently the title of the person in charge of the Black Sun Crime Syndicate, which is uh, apparently in Star Wars, like, criminals have have organizations that they work together out of, uh, and Black Sun is one of them. 
And so he yeah, also has a cool. black sun tattoo from his time as the Vigo or the Vigo. I don't even know this term. Is this a real term or a space term? It's a space term. Okay. Have there? Do we know? Of, have there been other Vigos of the black cry, black sun? Crime yeah, in um, Shadows of the Empire, which is the book that takes place between Empire and Jedi, that mainly revolves around Luke rebuilding his, uh, building a new lightsaber, and then Leia finding information about where Han is and how they can sneak in. We meet. Uh, starts with an X. Uh, Prince Shizor, oh, yeah, who is a super fucking creep, and he he's a Falene, which have some sex pheromones that come out of them every so often, and like Leia almost bangs him, and that's that book. But he's the head <laughs> of he's the head of Black Sun. <laughs> yeah, he's he's in a bunch of other um earlier books, I think as well, because I think he's in he's in some of the books I read, which were pre-Return of the Jedi. Um, he's around. And yeah, he's, he's the Vigo of like Sun. So there are other Vigos around, but I guess he's it's not a, canon anymore anyways. Yeah. So. so, I mean, but it, what it sounds like what you're saying is that the, the caliber and the quality of the Vigos really declined after Zero. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Great. Um, another random you know tip. What? I'm that... going to say that's true because he's a creep. <laughs> and at least Zero, like, I don't know apologized kind of to his girlfriend i don't know <laughs> sing singing the praises that's what i was hoping we'd do in this episode is really just like enthusiastically sing the praises of zero and, and you've really embraced that and i appreciate that meg you're welcome so one other tidbit from his early life uh and this was per the nintendo ds game jedi alliance uh oh a God. classic <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right all right all right all right <laughs> we all play jedi alliance right yeah, obviously. Uh, oh, I'll never forget that classic <laughs> scene in Jedi Alliance on my Nintendo DS. <laughs> so uh, the Jedi, my and favorite, this, my this ties Star into Wars memory. This ties into our favorite <laughs> book that we read. The Jedi needed more information about the Night Sisters of Dathomir, and Zero uh, owed a debt to Night Sister Ross Lai, and so they went to Zero and blackmailed him into giving them information so even zero couldn't even trust the jedi they just straight up blackmailed him into revealing information about his uh, associates so the poor guy's just been manipulated by everyone his whole life it's really really tragic mm. so tragic <laughs> i just i can't believe that happens in that video game <laughs> <laughs> what an absurd plot <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's a side mission. I'm sure it's not the main plot. Of the no, that, that's the whole story. <laughs> but, what, but what if it is? <laughs> uh, anyone out there ever played Jedi Alliance? Let us know. <laughs> uh, okay, so by the time we get to the Clone Wars, uh, Zero is has enough clout in, in his role as the Vigo of the Black Sun Crime Syndicate, or maybe just like as the Lone Shark on Slayheron. That he is, uh, he's in control of seven star systems, which is which is pretty significant. That's not bad. That's, yeah, that's a number of systems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, I like to think that like part of that was he w- he was forced into this family life, right? But I like to think that maybe he exerted a little bit of his own taste and his flair for for justice and kindness upon the people that were in the star systems under his control. So his taste for what? <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, we'll get to his tastes in a moment. Okay, but... okay, all right. <laughs> Speaking of, we also know that at some point before the Clone Wars, he encountered Jabba the Hutt, his nephew, remember, exotic dancer, Sice Noodles, and the two of them had an affair. Um, oh, God. 
Handel. And it was really, really, <laughs> I'm sure it was really beautiful and really <laughs> genuine. Zero, though, knew that he had to follow his dreams and he knew that, that this relationship was going to get in the way of that. And so he was really, really honest with Sai and he like sat her down and, and explained to her that he has to move to Coruscant so that he can open a nightclub and live his truth. Oh, and and Sai's noodles was was living her truth as a dancer in Jabba's palace, and and she had, was faced with the decision of whether she should move with Zero to Coruscant or not, and she clearly decided to to stay with Jabba. I don't think that's I agree. How it it's happened. really sad. I I'm getting a little teary. Oh, cool, honey. Oh, mm-hmm. Don't get teary about this. <laughs> It's emotional. We also know that at some point Zero had plastic surgery, and this is a confirmed from Legends fact. What? (laughs) Canon. It's canon. It's canon. And that's why his face is symmetrical. What? His face is symmetrical? (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) All right. Thinking back. (laughs) Thinking back to our episode on two second characters. There does not need to be this much information about Zero the Hutt. I struggle to believe any of this is real, but I know it is. Right. Here's the thing. Danny could be fucking with all of us. <laughs> and yet, I feel like he's not. He's not. He's not. I'm, I'm pulling up the Wikipedia page for this one because I want to read the quote to you all. Oh, I just finished my first drink. <laughs> oh, no. You only have one left. On to round two. Whew. Pace yourself, buddy. So, nope. this is under the personality and traits section of Zero the Hut's Wikipedia page. Uh-huh. At some point, Zero had cosmetic surgery to give his face a more symmetrical appearance. And the source is the art of Star Wars, the Clone Wars. <laughs> oh, no. Yep, I mean, so that happened. All right. You know, whatever makes you feel comfortable in your own body, right? Yeah, it's, it's important. And, like, he... Living the life, living his truth as a as an owner of a dance club, like people have expectations of what they look like, and so he's probably City, just... you have to you have to stop saying living your truth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you got. It. <laughs> yep. When it comes to zero, we gotta stop. Sorry, I just I just feel like he's a role model for all of us, and I just can't help but gush, you know. Uh huh. Uh, there it is. That's one. <laughs> Keep it tell. <laughs> all right. So by the time we actually meet Zero the Hut, aren't you glad I didn't make you watch all the Zero episodes? I would so have glad. Done it. <laughs> so towards the start of the Clone Wars, Zero finds himself in a big old pickle because somehow he got entangled with separatist leaders. Probably Count Dooku was one of the Jedi who manipulated him with the Night Sisters thing early on, and so he remembered, oh, there's that hut who's a total pushover, and I will just manipulate him into this very elaborate scheme. So basically, Zero met Count Dooku, and and Zero aided Asajj Ventress, who was Dooku's personal assassin at the time. Um, and, and together, Asajj and Zero kidnapped Jabba's son, because, by the way, Jabba has a son. He's a baby in the Clone Wars movie. Uh, and the son is named Rata the Hut. Uh, because the Separatists are trying to frame the Jedi and the kidnapping to convince Jabba to support them in a war so they can have access to his, um, politics. Uh, <laughs> I love that one. Access to his politics. <laughs> no, what the com- show notes actually say here is the explanation I has been deleted. these crimes against this person <laughs> to get access to their politics. I need their politics. <laughs> 
I I don't want to explain this. Basically, Dooku manipulated Zero into this this plan, and Zero fell for it because he was just trying to. He thought it was for the best, and and he didn't realize that like putting <laughs> putting his family in harm's way. No. <laughs> anyway, Zero got cold feet when he found out that Padme, of course, Does Zero have feet. Zero got cold tail when he found he out. Got a cold, <laughs> a cold underbelly. A cold underbelly. Oh, full circle. <laughs> Here we are again. Somehow we always end up back at the underbelly of a hut. Always. Um, it's the only interesting part of a hut, really. Wow. <laughs> I mean, Zero's at least has some nice tattoos. Right. That's cool. Oh. Anyway. Oh, the- Yikes. Zero chickened out <laughs> when he found out that Padme was onto their plan. So he calls up Dooku and he's like, Dooku, I want out. And Dooku's like, nah, bro, Jabba totally believes you and you have nothing to worry about. And also, uh, if you see Padme, could you please go ahead and kill her just to be on the safe side? <laughs> just, just to be safe. Uh, so then, like, just to convince him to do that, Dooku promises Zero that he'll be master of all the Hut clans. And Zero, being the really good guy that he is is like, whoa, that is a title that I could use to really make some positive changes in Hut society. And so he decided that, yes, this is for the greater good. I can finally have a true legacy. Just is like Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> is that really what he's thinking? So I guess what's going to happen here is the Jedi are going to bring Jabba to justice. Why? Presumably after Jabba kills the Jedi who didn't actually kidnap his... Oh, Jabba... Okay, so Jabba... Okay, the idea here is that Jabba's mad that his baby was stolen, and Dooku and Zero are going to frame it on the Jedi, and then Jabba's going to kill the Jedi when he finds out, and then the Jedi are going to be like, Jabba, you killed the Jedi, and we're going to bring you to justice and lock him up, and that's how du- how Zero would become master of the Hut clan. It's a very, very clear and straightforward, you know, plan, especially for a kid's animated film. Yeah, extremely. Very... Okay, so Zero ends up catching up to Padme, but then Dooku calls him up and is like, actually, just kidding, don't kill Padme, bring her to me alive. And Zero's like, okay. And so he throws Padme in a dungeon. But then Zero finds out that Padme called C-3PO to, about the, the fact that she'd been thrown into a dungeon. And so he's like, oh, shoot, that protocol droid is, like, super badass. And so he decides to kill Padme after all. Which kicks off, like, this theme of, of Padme assassination attempts on Padme. There's, like, 37 of them in the entire Clone Wars series. There's many. Mm-hmm. There, there are many. Um, no assassin could, could kill Padme. She's too strong. She's too strong. Except for her heart. She's too strong. <laughs> See, that's the problem. So, is that none of them thought to break her heart. heart. An- Anakin was the, the true way. assassin all along. Pretty, pretty fragile. <laughs> So, so Zero's on his way to kill Padme after all, except, whoops, C-3PO gets there first because he's the true hero, as we all know, um, yeah. and finds Zero's dungeon. We're still not on the episode we watched. <laughs> we sure aren't. <laughs> I know, I just, I just wanted the phrase Zero's dungeon to linger for a little bit. Aye, aye, aye. Yep. Is it fair, Sam? I mean, not really. I don't feel like it's very fair. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, none of, none of this feels very fair. So a bunch of clones show up and capture Zero and rat him and Count Dooku out to Jabba. And Jabba's like, ooh, gaba gaba And then Zero is taken to a jail on Coruscant instead. So he got all mixed up in this plot, and it ended up having him landed in prison. When really, he was just trying to make the world a better place. 
How is it that Jabba the Hutt is the one Star Wars impression you can do? (laughs) 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 Like, your impressions always sound like a totally different character, but then your Jabba is just like, I thought you were playing a sound clip. (laughs) I think we all know the answer to that question. (laughs) So, Zero... Zero is sitting in his prison cell, and he's stewing, and he's mad, and he's like, I'm going to kill Padme to get revenge. Um, and so he hires Aura Singh to track her down and assassinate her, but we all know how that goes. Yep. Uh, she does not assassinate Padme. Um, there's also a thing here where Ahsoka tricks Zero into confessing that he hired Aura Singh, and so that ends up getting him a longer prison sentence. Again, being manipulated by the Jedi is just really unfair. Maybe you shouldn't have tried to kill Padme. Yeah, also that. <laughs> Padme, Padme upset his attempts to make the Hut Society a better place for all. Yeah. Who's the true villain here? Zero. Mm-hmm. Probably Zero. Zero the Hut. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with Zero. <laughs> Boy, this is a tough crowd. Okay, I think this will finally convince you. During all of this, Jabba and his secret Hut Council are getting really squeamish because they know that Zero has the Council's secret diary. Okay. So let's just reflect for a second that the the Hut Council keeps a secret diary where they keep all mm-hmm. their secrets. Okay, I like that. And and secret- Zero has it. All right. Why does Zero have it? Because Zero has it. <laughs> Somehow it just makes so much sense. <laughs> does it? <laughs> Seth, you said that in a way that sounded like I don't want to find out how Zero. I don't want to like, find out. Okay? I know. I know. Danny knows how Zero has it, but also I don't want to hear it. So he just has it. So of course he does, Meg. So the Hut Council needs to get the diary back, and and at the end of the day, this diary is going to end up being Zero's downfall, and it's just really sad. So because it's not even his diary; it's the Council's diary. Anyways, Jabba hires the delightful bounty hunter Cad Bane who decides to be super extra, and he shuts down the entire Senate, holds a bunch of senators hostage, and blackmails Papa Palpy and also Orn Frita is there into giving Zero a full pardon and releasing him. Um, and, and throughout all this, Poplatine is probably like, yes, excellent, more chaos. He's very excited about all this. Um, the best part about this episode is that Palpatine ends up getting locked in a room with Orn Frita, and, <laughs> and just the thought of, of Palpatine being like the biggest, evilest mastermind of the world, and then like this bumbling fool of a tweet like, like together is very funny to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, in order to free Zero the Hut, Cad Bane like staged this whole big thing, and and Zero got out of prison. Yay! Thanks to Cad Bane the hero, which brings us to the hunt for Zero. So this was an episode of the Clone Wars, season three, episode nine. I think we can all agree that this was the best episode of the entire run of the Clone Wars. It really peaked after this one. Mm-hmm. And and so uh, you all watched it, and and we're gonna discuss sure it. Sure did. <laughs> That's yep. Definitely did. a thing I did. So what, <laughs> earlier what, today. Before we dive in, what were what were your like overall thoughts and, and reviews? It's I... so stupid. <laughs> felt very uncomfortable. It's During it's one of those episodes second of it <laughs> that I remember exists, and then I watch it again, and I'm like, yep, that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Children watched this. <laughs> yeah. It just it man man <laughs> just the the mm, the mild sometimes not so mild vague racism 
that they coded into all of the characters, all of the huts, mm-hmm. excuse me, was not great feeling. <laughs> <laughs> not great. <laughs> it felt really bad. <laughs> okay, so what I'm hearing is that you all really, really loved it. And um, thought of it as an instant Star Wars classic. I, I so, like that Quinlan the, Voss and Obi Wan paired up. Yeah, yeah they I totally, actually I do love they Quinlan Voss. Used to fuck when they were like. <laughs> so I do. I appreciate you being diplomatic and pointing out the least important part of the episode, which was Obi Wan and Quinlan Voss. We'll get to them. It's the best part of the but, episode. Quinlan um, Voss is like the best. He's brown. He's great. And he's like you're a hippie like Jedi. I love him. Yeah, he's like a surfer dude, like brown Jedi who like doesn't give a fuck, likes to drink. I got like... so excited when I saw him because there's a Kefar Jedi. Jedi? Yeah, in one of the like random Star Wars books I like from a million years ago, um, like in, in the old Republic era. And I got really excited when I was like, oh, wait, this Jedi's a Kefar as well. That's so cool. And that was just me being a really weird nerd about a really weird thing. No, it's cool though. It is cool. Okay, I really, I really do appreciate you all like making sure that we're acknowledging all, all of the minor characters from this episode. But, but we're, we're mm-hmm. gonna bring it back to the main focus, which is zero <laughs> the hut. So shady, shady. <laughs> so we always get a fortune cookie at the beginning of every episode of the Clone Wars, and this fortune cookie said, "Love comes in all shapes and sizes." And if that's not a beautiful message, I don't know what is. Mm-hmm. I was really mad that that was the fortune cookie <laughs> because it's a good message, but it's also a little too on the nose to specifically be like this episode's about huts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's about huts loving each other. That's not something we ever see in Star it's Wars. Not. <laughs> Have you ever met a hut more in touch with his emotions than Zero? I've never met a hut. Yeah, either fictional. <laughs> I wish I wish I'd have never met a hut. <laughs> so the episode begins with Zero, and he's been brought back to the Hut Council on Nal Hutta, which is another Hut planet. And he's like thanking them for releasing him, but also making it very damn clear that he knows the only reason he was released was because of the diary with secret Hut information that he possesses. And also, if they decide to kill him, he's going to make sure that that diary goes straight to the galactic senate they stick him in a jail cell anyways yeah (laughs) what did you all think of the hut council i did think that it was really weird that he was the only one who spoke basic (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's very strange like i get it like i i get why and he spoke basic in a way where every time that he responded to them he basically repeated what they said first which is very very odd (laughs) Right, and it's right. It's mm, mm-hmm. it kids was, are, it was weird. Kids are so dumb. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what they do? <laughs> yeah, was, the rest of the hut council, I thought, was all right. I mean, they're just like huts, basically. Yeah, I like the like party nightclub that they have the hut council in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like, might as well have a good time while yeah. we're doing crime. <laughs> so, so meanwhile, while while the huts are, like, sticking Zero in a jail cell, Obi-Wan Kenobi is waiting for the arrival of Quinlan Voss, who's late, and this annoys Obi-Wan. Um, and they have a delightful reunion as they prepare for their mission to get Zero the Hut back 
Um, and also they're going after Cad Bane. I'm, I'm not really sure why the Jedi are taking such an interest in getting Zero the Hut back. I guess it's just because they think he's such a bad dude, even though he's clearly shown time and again that he has only the purest of motives. Clearly. Clearly, yeah. So we meet Quinlan Boss. We kind of mentioned he's he's kind of a beach bum. Well, that's your opinion, man, is a direct yeah. quote. I, I love like him. It. Where did this personality <laughs> come from? What is the story here? He's brown. Are you asking us? Yes, I'm asking you. He's a chill. He's a chill dude. Yes. Like he's stick it to the man. Yeah, he's he's clearly a living force Jedi, and so he's a chill dude. Mm-hmm. He's what all the Jedi should be. He is. The if Jedi were more like, like Quinlan. What they? Yeah. Yeah, they would have lasted a lot better if they'd all been like Quinlan. Yeah, chill the fuck out, man. My favorite thing is that like Obi Wan like hates working with Quinlan because he's like that. He's he's a lot like Qui Gon. Obi Wan is <laughs> so very think- Type A. Yeah, I think he's a lot like Qui-Gon, and I think, like, that probably, like, pushes Obi-Wan's buttons even more, is that he got trained by someone who did that, and he's just like, this is so annoying, I'm a Jedi Master, I shouldn't have to deal with this now. But Quinlan is, unfortunately, amazing, so he has to deal with him. Can you imagine, like, a beachfront Jedi Academy with Master Quinlan Boss as the head? Oh my Yes, God, I is. can! It sounds dope! <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> And dope is the proper word. <laughs> yeah, that was very sure Quinlan Boss of you, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I understand him. He's good. So yeah. Obi-Wan and Quinlan, they hop in their red Lambada class shuttle and head off to Nalhada to investigate. Um, and then we get an amazing musical number uh, with Twi'lek slave dancers, naturally. Oh, and, I hate this. I hated it. And they're wearing hut headdresses. And also there's like a spider TJ with multiple arms, like doing Ate this it. joggy thing. And then of course, Sice Noodles is the main event. I and is she singing a space version of Anything Goes? Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's what I, I thought it was like. It sounded like too similar to Anything Goes for yeah. it to not be a callback to Club Obi-Wan. Uh, it, it it definitely is like okay. like they would have done that on purpose because like the Clone Wars have a lot of callbacks to a lot of things. What is Club Obi Wan? Uh, club Obi Wan is the club that um, Indiana Jones yeah. is in at the beginning of Temple of Doom. Oh. Um, that's where he meets like the main woman in the movie Willie Scott, and she does who is Mrs. Spielberg, um, and she does a musical number to Anything Goes. Yeah, like the Clone Wars. Um, a lot of people, like, don't... I've seen a lot of people talk about it, but, like, it has a lot of references to other classic movies and, like, music cues or, like, the, the shot set up or the colors used and stuff like that. Um, so if that... I would not be surprised that if that is a reference to that in particular. Cool. Um, do you all remember the first time you watched this episode, your reaction to seeing Size Noodles return? Yes. I think it was the same as my current reaction. To <laughs> I was angry. <laughs> Why? It's stupid. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a stupid cameo. Because it reminds me of it the puppet version else. of her. And I don't like I, it. Listen, so I actually like, likes a strong word. I don't mind. <laughs> but I hated, I hate her voice and her accent. It is god awful and it doesn't sound like what you imagine her puppet to sound based on her singing voice like are you talking about her speaking voice in this episode 
Yeah. Yeah. Compared to her yeah. singing voice in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. I just it's... don't like being reminded of puppets. And so I don't. <laughs> oh, yeah, I saw her and I was like, please don't. Yeah. Because I, I don't have vivid memories of many things, but I have vivid memories of hating size noodles when I was a kid because that puppets get the shit out of me. So I saw her in this and I was like, no. Let the nightmare begin, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> so was her performance here better or worse than her performance in Return of the Jedi? I really like Return of the Jedi. I'm going to go with Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. I think I like yeah, Return of the it's Jedi. Not close. Too. <laughs> it's not close. It's not close. The lack of Max Rebo really is the difference here, right? It yeah, is. It, like, it is. She had a whole ensemble. It had, it had a good vibe. I can't believe we're talking about this. All right. <laughs> no. So, Neither. <laughs> are you all just going to be in denial for this entire episode? Yeah. Okay. Well, we've got a good dramatic reading to really, really make it real for it oh, here. Oh, great. So after her performance, Sice Noodles hears from one of the dancers that Zero is locked up in the detention cell block. So she steps out immediately to see him. Um, remember, she had an affair with him a while back. And so she's she uh, she's probably very surprised to see that he's around. Um, and so to get to him, she seduces the Gamorrean guards um, by telling them Gardula wants to know which of you two is stronger. And then they start fighting. And then she just walks right past them. I- I did love that. I love, like, um, just in games, like, Gamorrean's always kind of, like, the stupid grunt kind of characters. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's, like, things that they do that's re- that's real goofy in, like, the Knights of the Republic or something like that. And seeing them be, like, super goofy in this is, is something that actually does bring me joy. I do love the idea of these, like, big stupid brutes being like, yeah, I'm stronger. I'm going to fight you right now. And they do. Like, I love that. I know that her voice maybe isn't everyone's favorite, but... but... I feel like you got to admit that that turning size noodles into a femme fatale is kind of a brilliant move here, right? Yeah. yeah. I hate to admit it, but yeah, you're right. I just really hate her voice. It's just really awful. <laughs> real bad. Uh-huh. All right. Real bad. Well, now is the time to rectify that. So it's time um. for we've it's been a while, but we're going to do a dramatic reading. Oh my Great. god. So who I'm would like so to play excited. the role of size noodles? <laughs> nobody, nobody. <laughs> Tina, I think you're just gonna have to yeah this is, this is a one man show alright <laughs> alright I refuse to be zero though. Meg I would like you to be size noodles great and Saf why don't you be zero I don't know how to be zero anyone... <laughs> there's never a voice you've not been able to do I, I don't even like I remember what he sounds like but I don't think I can do that just it out. I'm not gonna try to do her voice yes this is... just do your own interpretation God, I feel like I'd be bitter at Sai's noodles. I'm okay, not, you want to be Sai? I'm not doing zero the hut. Heath, do you want to do zero? Never. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing I want less. <laughs> All right, great. So Saf is going to be Sai, and Heath is going to be zero. All right. <laughs> I mean, I'll do it. Great. So my own interpretation? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> How about this? You two can do it, and then since Meg really wanted a chance to be Sice Noodles too, then Meg and I will do the same dramatic reading, and I'll be oh, zero for the second one. Great, great, All right. great. <laughs> oh my god! Okay. Why don't you just do zero both times? <laughs> nope. All of us have to participate. Uh, fine. fine. <laughs> Aren't you loving this Rogue Pod reboot? I was. <laughs> All right, let's do this.
Zero, honey, my true love. What happened to you? I thought you were coming back for me. I waited so long. I thought you didn't love me anymore. Our separation last time was a bit abrupt, and I do blame Jabba for that. Jabba? He forced me to have you sent away from Coruscant, shattering the serenity of the happiest time of my life. Oh, Zero, honey. Being with you is the happiest time of my life, too. And now hearing you say that makes me the luckiest little Palawick the galaxy's ever known. Unfortunately, the cage that entraps me now also entraps the chance of loving you again. What do they want with you? Why would they do this? As hard as it is to convict... <laughs> I can't read the nickname. <laughs> <laughs> As hard as it is to confess, confess this to you, Snooty. <laughs> I'm not a perfect hut. I don't care what you've done or why they want to hurt you. I only care about us being together. Forever. You. Oh my god, I just thought I was to say next. <laughs> you. You really mean that? From the bottom of my fluid sack. Oh my god. <laughs> Unfortunately. I love that it just goes unaddressed, too. <laughs> well, it's just normal. Unfortunately, my love, there's no way for us to be together as long as I'm in this dreadful cell. With true love, there's always a way. Mwah. <laughs> Sorry. I was taking a big sip of wine. <laughs> Keith, I have, I have some notes for you about your zero. You can... Read them to yourself before you go to bed tonight. If, if, <laughs> really <laughs> Saf, your size noodles was excellent. Thank you. I don't... Some Like, when I read characters for this, I just kind of have to open my mouth and hope that whatever comes out works, and sometimes it does. Did you just say you kind of talk out of your mouth? <laughs> no, like, I don't try and think of what I'm going to do. Like, I don't plan anything. I just open my mouth and, like, whatever voice comes out is the voice I'm sticking with. <laughs> Which is kind of how Runt ended up being Runt. <laughs> That's fair. Oh, I'm so excited. Meg, are you ready? I'm so ready. All right. Great. Zero, honey, my true love, what happened to you? I thought you were coming back for me. I waited so long. I thought you didn't love me anymore. Our separation last time was a bit abrupt, and I do blame Jabba for that. Jabba? He forced me to have you sent away from Coruscant, shattering the serenity of the happiest time of my life. Oh, Zero, honey. Being with you was the happiest time of my life, too. And now hearing you say that makes me the luckiest little Palwick the galaxy has ever known. Unfortunately, the cage that entraps me now also entraps the chance of loving you again. What do they want with you? Why would they do this? As hard as it as hard as it is to confess this to you, Snooty, I'm not a perfect hut. I don't care what you've done or why they want to hurt you. I only care about us being together forever. You, you really mean that? From the bottom of my fluid sack. Unfortunately, my love. There's no way for us to be together as long as I'm in this dreadful cell. With true love, there's always a way. <laughs> I cannot believe that the first time we've ever done a dramatic reading twice, it was this one. Y'all are just the best little pod family. Oh, we love each other so much. 
And and I think we can all agree that that's just a beautiful scene. Like they're just laying it all out there. Unfortunately, oh, we're gonna learn God. later on that Sice Noodles has ulterior motives, but we'll get yeah. there. Yeah, she's a fatal. She's gotta have ulterior motives. Meanwhile, Obi Wan and Quinlan Vos land their Limbata class shuttle and arrive in the Hut Dance Club. Music still jamming until the DJ like <laughs> cuts it off with a record scratch. <laughs> is my impression of a retro- record scratch. Perfect. Thank you for doing it before I did it. <laughs> <laughs> the Huts and the Jedi exchange pleasantries, although they both know what the other's objectives are. The conversation is like very layered and loaded, um, even though they are technically allies right now. Um, Quinlan uses his special force power of, of seeing who has previously touched a cup. <laughs> very specifically, only applies to cups. <laughs> what the hell was this force power? Yeah, no, his force power is so cool. He, he can like, touch objects and see their history. When have we ever seen anything even remotely like that in the force? Quinlan Boss. Oh, okay. Wait. Right. Seth, we're waiting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I accidentally muted myself when I said wait. Um, I We talked about his force power, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's actually in Legends. Kefir have this ability. Like, it's not necessarily a force power. It is a Kefir ability to be able to touch oh. an object and see what has been, like, in- how it's been interacted with and stuff like this. Um, so when they brought him into the canon, I think they made it a force power for him rather than, like, do the whole explain what Kefir do kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I think in canon, it's his force power, but in Legends, it is his species power. That's cool. I like that yeah. they did that. Um, so it's not just specific to cups. No, it it's like anything that has... he can yeah connect to like anything and see it through the force basically. But I guess the cup is what he chose to do it with. He probably has like some sense of which one will tell him things. Sure. So by touching the cup, Quinlan can tell that Zero was there recently, and so the Jedi take off. The Huts go back to dabbing or whatever they do in their dance club. Dabbing. <laughs> 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 and uh, oops, Cad Bane is here too. So we've got like. Oops. A lot of parties involved. This was like a really intricately plotted out episode of the Clone Wars. Yeah, mm-hmm. clearly. So the Jedi arrive at Zero's cell to see that he has escaped. <gasps> right. Surprise. We see... So then we cut and we quickly see Sai Z- and Zero making a quick getaway on a jet ski. And the Hut Council also discovers Zero's empty cell. Um, and Cad Bane is there and he's like, mm, the Jedi were not the culprits here. There's another party involved. So Cad Bane convinces the Jedi Council to let him track down the huts on their behalf. So so we've got Zero the Hut with Sice Noodles running away, the Jedi going after him because the Jedi want him, and Cad Bane going after him for the Hut Council. Excitement. Wow. Were you just like on the edge of your seats at this point? Absolutely. Yeah, because I'm going to throw myself on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so Quinlan Voss does some flips as they work their way to Zero's childhood home. Obi-Wan makes a comment about how if they'd brought a droid, the search would go much faster, and then he immediately gets attacked by a swamp snake. <laughs> As you do. Like, Obi-Wan doesn't even like droids. No, for real. Like, the swamp snake just curls up around him. Um, but don't worry. Obi is quick, and he hates wildlife, and so he immediately sticks his laser sword through the snake's goddamn face. Oh, I'm a little worried about that, actually. Yeah. I'm a little worried about the some snake. Some repressed anger yeah, you just, with like, Obi-Wan, I think. Straight up, yeah, there was not even an attempt yeah, to try to understand. It was a little... It's a little much excessive. So it's just yeah, like excessive use of force. Once again, I feel like the symbolism of like who the good guys and the bad guys here is like really on the nose. Like it's very clear that the Jedi are the villains in this tale of <laughs> Zero the Hut. Well, yeah, he stuck his laser sword right through the snake's face. Who does? Yeah, that? but like, 
All right. All right. So Zero He's arrives at his mama's he house. Communicate with him. Sorry. I'm just I'm <laughs> He's no he's not Ezra Bridger. He can't talk to the snake. He can't talk to the snake. That's true. Snake doesn't want to talk to him anyway. He doesn't know parcel tongue. Yeah, Snake wants to eat him though. So Zero arrives at his mama's house, the one place that Gardula would never search for him. Um <laughs> so we meet Mama. Mama is a very big hut who's in a symbiotic relationship with some land starfish, apparently. What did oh, y'all think about Mama the Hut? I love Man, Mama sure is a stereotype. <laughs> yeah, Mama's terrible. Yeah. Like, Mama sure is Tyler Perry playing Medea. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I love the idea, at least. Med- I love the Medea idea of Mama. The hut. <laughs> of, like, this big, like, eccentric hut, like, what's the matriarch kind of character? In reality, terrible. But I love the idea of her. <laughs> so yeah, Mama gives Zero some tough love. Um, she's crabby that Zero never calls. And, and directly directly quoting here, you gonna sit in your stink or are you gonna pass the slime pods? Mm-hmm. I said, you gonna sit in your stink or are you gonna pass the slime pods? I'm, I'm doing neither, thanks. I hate Star Wars. <laughs> I'm exiting from the situation. I would very much like to be excluded from this narrative. <laughs> Heath, love comes in all shapes and sizes. So, remember how I used to fire Danny, and it's been a while since I've done God, it? God, it's been so long. It's I think so it's long. time. I don't think, I think this whole Danny episode. Like a full season. This whole episode is time <laughs> for unemployment for Danny. So anyway, Zero clearly has mommy issues because Mama clearly prefers brother Ebor. Um, yeah. But Mama also knows that Zero's there with ulterior motives. He'd only visit her voluntarily when plebos fly out of my hump. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, that was bad. <laughs> so let's just take a minute on this here. What do we think plebos are? This is canon. This is canon material. (laughs) Right. (laughs) What's a plebo? And why is it flying out of her hump? And also, what is is she referring to when she says my hump? Her hump. Lovely lady loves. Check it out. Referring to her hump. (laughs) So Zero asked Mama if he can swap his jet ski for a spaceship. And she's just like really agreeable, apparently, um, because she loves her son after all. Uh, and so Zero and Psy Snoodles take the spaceship and fly to Teth, because Teth is where Papa the Hut is at. Uh, wow. Meanwhile, Cad Bane has a conversation with a little weird little droid friend that suddenly appears out of nowhere. I guess he has a little sidekick. Do you, do you know anything about this little guy, Saf? A little sidekick. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> doesn't. Big nope. <laughs> so the Jedi arrive at Mama the Hut's hut, which is a fun thing to say. Uh, and, and once again, just really clearly painting, like, who the bad guys are in this narrative, they just straight up break down her door. Quinlan Voss doesn't even knock. He's just, like, putting on a showy display. He, as Obi-Wan says, he hasn't mastered the concept of knocking. And if that wasn't enough, he also has to make a rude comment about how Mama the Hut smells, even though that's just how huts smell. And I found it to be extremely insensitive. So Mama the Hut is just sitting in her stink. Yeah. Has not passed the slime pods. <laughs> so they get there and mama like weirdly is not sparing any detail about 
I just I quote quoted everything she said because she has so many great lines. Her deadbeat son and his limp-lipped girlfriend <laughs> stole her spaceship. And also Cad Bane was there already and asked her for that information. But Cad Bane didn't break down the door when he came in. Cad Bane is a polite bounty hunter. I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> yeah, Danny, the bigger the hat, the bigger the politeness. <laughs> yeah, that's why Zuvio is so damn polite. Right? That's Are those the rules? Yeah, those are the rules. Those are known Star Wars rules. Huh, interesting. Mm -hmm. All right, so Sice, Noodles, and Zero the Hutt arrive on Teth, and Zero leads them to the grave of Papa the Hutt. He, Papa the Hutt is dead, is the big reveal here. And poor Zero, who just always has the feelings of his fellow Hutts before anything else in his decision-making, he never had the heart to tell Mama that he died, because some people are just more happy being miserable which is the most relatable thing Zero has ever said. <laughs> <laughs> He's not wrong. So anyway, they press a button, and the mummified hut appears. What did you all think about this mummified pop of the hut? It was disgusting. What was the worst? <laughs> it was so I it. gross. I agree. It was really, really cool to see how huts honor their dead. <laughs> um, <laughs> The mummified hut is cradling the hollow diary. So there it is. And as soon as that appears, Psy grabs the diary and then pulls a blaster on Zero. What? <gasps> I knew it. Zero is indignant because he thought they were going to share a future together. But Psy is a trope and is still bitter about having her heart broken. And so she shoots Zero the hut. Well, it, he didn't seem entirely sincere when he was telling her he actually loved her and stuff like that. It kind of seemed like he just wanted her to get him out of the prison and then help him. Yeah, like, she was the only one who promised that she loved him from the bottom of her fluid sack. <laughs> she didn't even mention his fluid sack. I don't think huts have fluid sacks. Well, he should have made an equally gross promise then, but he did <laughs> He should have also been disgusting. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're in love. They should both be gross. Um, yeah, you know what? I can't fault Sai on this. I'm not going to name any names, but if I had the chance to blaster an X or two, Shraggy Emoticon, <laughs> make some money on the side, it might be all right. I'm, I just can't believe what I'm hearing right now. Like, I feel like I've laid out this very clear and concise and, and articulate case for why Zero is just caught up and in, in, in the really good guy in all this mess. And you're taking Sice Noodle's side in this? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever leads to less Zero... Yeah, I'm on that. Yeah, side. yeah. <laughs> the murder. And that was a very efficient way to do it. So, <laughs> props to Snide. <laughs> Oof! I thought I thought we were a Padron family. Cad <laughs> yeah. Bane arrives on Teth with his little floaty droid friend. Discovers Zero's corpse and is bitter because he wanted to kill him himself. And also, he's mad because the Hollow Diary's gone. And also, the Jedi just arrived. So, uh, the Jedi are not great forensic scientists, because apparently their force power does not extend to who last touched this hut. But Cad Bane lets them know it wasn't him, because he would be much cleaner about it. Uh, so they fight a lot, and they jump around the cliffs. It was pretty yeah. cool. And then Sice Noodles brings the Hollow Diary to Jabba, and Jabba is very pleased with Sice Noodles, and Sai spends the next 25 years dancing and singing until that fateful day when Luke Skywalker would show up, and she would end up getting eaten by a rancor. The end. She had a pretty solid career. Yeah. 25 years is a good career. Especially in entertainment. Like, you go out of fashion so fast. So this is the most important part of the episode, though. Is, mm -hmm. is we're going to really honor Zero the Hutt's legacy 
possibly mm-hmm. for the first time ever. Because aside from a single offhand remark by Quinlan Voss in Dark Disciple, and a parody account that used to troll us regularly in 2017, Zero the Hut is never mentioned again. Which is really a shame, because he was a good guy who just got manipulated into some really awful situations. So, mm-hmm. so I have three discussion questions for us here. And the first is, what do you think is the legacy of Zero the Hut? I feel like this is a lot. Um, yeah. The legacy of Zero the Hut is giving us the interspecies relationships and Star Wars that we didn't want. Yeah. I like that. Um, I think it's that knowing that kids are too stupid to realize about translator droids and that so they have to speak basic if they're a main character. <laughs> so so he really did help make the world a better place, right? Because He did. Because now we mm. can treat children with the intelligence and the respect that they deserve? Yeah, it's zero. <laughs> zero the hut. Yeah. Yeah. Heath, what do you think is the legacy of Zero the Hut? This episode... Oh, I'm touched. So, so my I don't next know question... that you should be. <laughs> <laughs> my next question: Why is he such a significant character in the Star Wars saga? He's a purple. Why <laughs> okay, we're gonna skip to the third third question. What steps will you be taking in your life going forward to honor the fallen hut in a more meaningful and significant way? I will retweet about this episode when it goes live. Yeah, yeah, same. You would do that for zero? I would yeah. do that for zero. Oh my gosh. I feel like, I mean, I feel like I know him so well. We never actually met, but I feel like zero would truly be honored and touched by that, that action I'm you would fine. take. I think he would really enjoy Twitter. Zero would be great on Twitter. Yeah. Zero is great on Twitter. Yeah, but he gave up, so he's not that great on Twitter. Yeah, I guess so. The real zero would be great on Twitter. Mm. Where'd you go, zero? Where'd you go? He's dead. No, you good point. <laughs> well, I'm I'm really really sorry to like end this episode on such a somber note, but I really appreciate you all just kind of taking the time to give zero the honor and respect that he deserves. Mm-hmm. So thank you for taking this journey with me through the the tragedy of Zero the Hut. Thank you, Danny, for all of the work you put into this. Of course, it was a lot of work. <laughs> it was 45 minutes probably danny had a, <laughs> a lot yeah <laughs> danny knew right all. danny did no work for <laughs> <laughs> it's impressive though that you know this much about zero the hut i'm gonna get you one of those custom zero action figures oh my god thank you you gotta get one that's shaved down though it has to look like zero all right should we do listener questions? Mm-hmm. Let's do it. All right. Um, <laughs> I forgot that we have an image this week, and it's really good. <laughs> Last week we asked... He did not answer this question, also. Where has Luke Skywalker's law, long-lost triplet been all this time? All right, I have, I have this. Um, he has trained long and hard to become a really good space sushi chef, because he can, like... He doesn't realize he's using the force, but he does use the force to, like, make really precise, really good sushi. It's, like, real good. Um, and so he's, like, a well-known sushi chef. And people keep being, like, you look kind of like that hero, Luke Skywalker. And he's, like, yeah, I get that a lot. It's one of those faces. Um, one of those faces. Yeah, one of those faces. And that's where that he's been. Lot. He's just been <laughs> making sushi. I like that. I would definitely go to a sushi restaurant. Yeah. 
um, Luke's long lost triplet has actually been on Dantooine this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> they were gonna find him, but <laughs> <laughs> they almost they almost had him. But yeah, he's just been on a small town in Dantooine, you know, doing the opposite of moisture farming, whatever that is. Can't think of anything that would remotely be like that. Um, you know, living a quiet, peaceful kind of life. Um, Luke's long lost triplet was the replacement singer and dancer at Jabba's palace after Sice Noodles got eaten by the Rancor. Who was in Jabba's palace after all of that happened? Because Jabba's dead. Oh, it became a, it just became the most popular nightclub on Tatooine. Oh, cool, 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 cool. I think Luke's secret triplet has just been like watching Luke from afar and like admiring him all these Weird. years. Weird. And now that he knows Luke is dead, he's about to go fuck with Kylo real hard. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> That's it. I like it. Yeah, yeah. He'd be a troll. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Empty's Nest said. Luke's long-lost triplet is hard at work harnessing a clean energy machine on Dagobah. He's about halfway there in TLJ. I love it. Suara said, this is a very long response, bear with me. Luke and Leia's long-lost sibling was groomed by the Emperor as a secret apprentice, but unfortunately lost her life on a mission. But not before the Emperor had, had saved some of her DNA, which the Empire and eventually the First Order kept. They got their hands on the Dark Empire comic from our universe. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> All right. While testing the Starkiller base prototype 20 years before The Force Awakens, and it tore a hole in reality. Oh, my. What? <laughs> what is happening? And <laughs> looking through the comic, they had the idea to clone this DNA. Legends infiltrated the new Star Wars continuity. From that idea of cloning, they cloned the DNA... And I don't even know what's happening anymore. <laughs> and gave the child to her first order couple who eventually ended up on Jakku with her, who then cruelly abandoned her. The clone gave herself the name Ray from a name on a helmet she found in the Jakku desert. So mm-hmm. Ray is, is Luke a- Skywalker's triplet. lost triplet clone. I hate everything. That would have been a shorter way to say what Suara just said. <laughs> Also, Suara texted me this response <laughs> in, like, the middle of the work day today, <laughs> which I love. Oh, <laughs> uh, so good. Uh, Bowers said being slightly larger. Yeah, good. that's yeah. fair. Greg said, trick question, <laughs> we still don't know what Snoke was doing before The Force Awakened. Oh, no. <laughs> That one's pretty good. That one's really good. <laughs> that, that one's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it would explain the face holes. Does it? Uh, no, it doesn't. <laughs> Just not explain the face holes. Dinner leader said, we have already met the triplet and will soon meet her again. Luke was taken by Obi-Wan, Leia by Bale, and the third was taken by the only other person who could be trusted, Yoda. Yoda, or more accurately, Yoda and Yaddle, raised her on Dagobah. I'm referring, of course, to Carrie Russell. She has been biding her time, waiting for Kylo to visit Dagobah so she can do what she did to R2 all those years ago, chew on him and then spit him across the swamp. And, dinner leader, thank you for including the eggplant emoji here in your response. 
exactly yeah, as you. we requested. Yeah, I actually week. really appreciate that. It's like that. a really good response, and you proved that you are listening to our episodes after all by including the eggplant emoji. So that was really nice. Yeah, yeah. and and dinner doesn't always go along with all my bullshit, but I'm really glad he's adopted the Carrie Russell is somehow Yoda and Yaddle's daughter. <laughs> I yeah. mean, if you're going to adapt some bullshit, this is pretty it's prime pretty quality good. bullshit to adapt. It's good. Yeah, it's, it's good. the good stuff. That's the good shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good answer. Hmm. Thanks, Doug. Ra- Raising Fangirl said, after much searching, I found an actual photo of Luke Skywalker's missing triplet. It was a playing card of Corrin Horn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, Heath, you got to fire someone this episode. Can I fire someone? Sure. Raising, raising fangirls, fangirls, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but also raising fangirls, he has no power because he lost his job earlier. He's just still here. <laughs> you're not actually fired. You can fire whoever you want, Danny, but it means nothing. That, that's the secret, raising fangirls. Is that you, just, you just keep coming back. <laughs> Regenerating as an even worse version of yourself than the time before. Great. <laughs> Odie said, if Luke's triplet has been unicycling... Dat boy is third Skywalker triplet confirmed. I I am so disappointed that we were talking about unicycling last week and no one mentioned Dat boy. Yeah, I didn't even think of it. Why, yeah. why did we not put like thank you, Odie? How do we I'm not so put mad. two together? I'm so mad at myself. Oh shit! Here come Dat boy. It's Luke Skywalker's triplet. Oh shit! What up? Oh he comes shit! Gonna, like, <laughs> <unicycle>. <laughs> oh shit! It Dat Skywalker. Dat Skywalker. <laughs> It's that secret Skywalker. <laughs> Mom the fanboy said Luke's triplet is hiding in the back of the Dagobah cave ever since Luke beheaded his quadruplet. Oh she my god. This, he was the original There Is Another before he begged Yoda to keep his secret. Oh, I like that. That's intense. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, aside from the fact that this is a really concise Mom the fanboy answer, like kind of weird. Like this is a this is a great conspiracy theory. <laughs> I love I the love idea this. that the the person he beheaded in the in the cave was actually yeah, like it wasn't a force vision. It was an actual sibling, actually himself, just like yeah. coming out to get his morning coffee. He's like, oh hey, terrified Luke. <laughs> Abby said Luke's long lost twin has been in the unknown regions touring with his ABBA cover band. Bringing the joy of disco music to all and prepping for Cher's cameo to sing Super Trooper in episode 9. And there oh, is an, an image that yes. accompanied this tweet, which is glorious. It is Mark Hamill in some gold disco getup <laughs> of some kind. It's yeah. so good. I don't know why it exists, but I'm very happy it because does. Because it was the 70s. <laughs> yeah. That's literally the only answer and the only one we really need. Also, I just love Abba so much, and I love this. It's good. Nick said Luke and Leia's triplet died off screen, but their force ghosts possessed the fish nuns on Octo and started the bone market. They invited oh. they invited Luke to join them, and in episode nine, we'll see the revenge of the fish nuns. Yes, here for that. <laughs> I'm all about Super the revenge of the that. fish nuns. Yep. What if that's like a post credit scene? Where like say. episode nine ends happily ever after, and then post credits like Ray is just like doing some super mundane Jedi task, and then a fish nun comes up and hits her over the head with a bone, and then it comes. Feels <laughs> <to her. laughs> Oh my god! First post credit scene in Star Wars history, and it's, it's that. Yes, it's the bone <laughs> mark. Here for it. 
Yikes. I'm into it. Um, X-Wings in history said Luke's long-lost triplet grew a clone from Luke's severed hand and is raising it as his own son. All right. Right. So are are there like five Lukes in this scenario? Yeah, there's a lot of Lukes and some some hands. I don't really know. I don't really know whose body parts belong to whom in that scenario. There's a whole lot of Lukes. (laughs) Yep. Finally, Ben said Luke's long lost triplet has been working as a pilot and officer of the New Republic. He had to change his name long ago to Tycho Selchu. What? I dig Mm, that. Yeah, me too. I'm giving a Bodie to Ben for that answer. You would. It's a, it's a good answer. I'm not the only one who can get like played to on these listener That's responses. Yeah, I actually really like these. Can we wait? Okay. Um, I like two of these a lot. One of them is Bowers one because that plays very specifically to to my loves and also yeah. Abby's. Because I yeah. love that. I love the idea yeah, of an Abba so much. I also think I'm gonna I'm gonna step out of character here for a second, and I think that just because, um, I mean, we asked dinner leader to include an eggplant emoji if he was listening to the mm. episode, and he mm-hmm. did. He did exactly I that. We should reward good behavior, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So let's give dinner leader an actual glistening Bodhi for the first time in his life. Fine. Is um, that really the first one? There might have been some before we knew his true character, but yeah, <laughs> we we definitely took those. We definitely took wait, those away. Wait, what do you mean true character? <laughs> he literally stopped being nice to him once we started dating. <laughs> his true character. Oh yeah, we took those away as soon as we found out. It's true. What's truly inside but now i'm <laughs> suggesting that we let bygones be bygones and give him an actual glistening body just i'm here the, for this just, just once. The one just because i mean he was so agreeable and all um also <laughs> a slightly smaller glistening body to mom the fanboy for having a short response for having a short response and also and I, I do really like the, to... the dagobah cave answer yeah i'd love that too and also one to so nick cool. because the fish nuns is good Fish, fish nuns, yeah really excellent good. they always deserve a body Enjoy your bodies and glistening bodies and slightly smaller glistening bodies. Enjoy. Um, all right. This week, we have two questions. One from me and one from Danny. <laughs> oh, oh, great. Here's Danny's question. What steps will you be taking in your life going forward to honor the fallen hut in a more meaningful, significant way? That's, that's Here's zero. my question. Size Noodles doesn't kill Zero the Hut. How would you like to see Zero the Hut killed in the Star Wars? <laughs> I need... A chance to think about that. Why would you do that to me? Wow. Why would you do this? I feel like at everything. I feel like I now. I feel like I now understand how Zero the Hut felt the moment that Sice Noodles pulled the blaster on him. You got two questions, listeners. Answer either. Answer both. (laughs) Yep. Hit us up on Twitter at Rogue Podron with your answers. Um, Email us roguepodron at gmail.com. You can find us at our website, roguepodron.com. I always get distracted by the fact there's no Tumblr in there anymore. Subscribe to us via the Rogue Podron feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Spotify. Stop moving the thing down! (laughs) (laughs) That's what she said. Slice Noodles was innocent. (laughs) (laughs) Rain review us on iTunes. We have a five-star review from Holy Star Wars, The Bombs Diggity. He's the leader of the bunch. You know him well. He's finally back to kick some tail. What? Thank you, Holy Star Wars. <laughs> what? Is that? 
Yeah, thank you. But no, I, no, Holy Star Wars, what the, what? Is that a I feel reference? Like, I don't know if you're reviewing us, or if you reviewed the wrong thing. I feel like the Bombs Diggity <laughs> review accidentally reviewed the wrong podcast. Yeah, I feel like... <laughs> but, but, that's it. I'm happy with the five stars, so we'll take it. It's we'll true. take it. We'll take it. Thank you. <laughs> Holy Star Wars. Oh, boy. Next time. Meg, this is you. Oh, it's me. <laughs> Oops. Next time on Rogue Padron, we have one rogue left to go. It's me. <laughs> for our for our episode 99, so close to 100. So, uh, yeah, next week, Seth will surprise us with some topic that I'm not exactly sure of yet. I'm sure we'll find out sometime. And it's okay. You're all along for the ride. Really and so what it is right now if you want to know. No, it's a surprise. Okay, I'm okay with that too. I already said we didn't know. We don't know. Okay, we don't know. Fine. Yeah, don't throw continuity errors into our Rogue Pod canon set. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Come on. We have enough of that in canon Star Wars. So, with that, this is Rogue Podron signing off. Pash out. Pew, pew, pew. Pew. Pew, pew. 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 Zero. Zero. No. Nope. No. <laughs> Why does no. it sound like Mario? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am a zero. <laughs> it's the me. Zero. <laughs> <laughs>